a regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you're with us on the program today. Uh, we're going to be joined by one of my favorite people, Diana Muller of the DC Project. Talking about, uh, well, all of the things that uh, the DC Project is up to these days. And they are doing a lot all around the country. And I'm looking forward to uh, kicking off that conversation here in just a moment. But before we do, in today's turbulent times, you need to gather tools that allow you to defend your family in the way of life that you know and love. And that's why my friends over at Pickus Mill Armory are the folks that can help you with that. Pickus Mill Armory is a veteran-owned and operated rifle company in Georgia. And they're committed to providing you rifles with premium quality without the premium price tag. Their mission is to build you a rifle that gives you every advantage possible with 100% American-made components. Whether you need a tactical rifle or a hunting rifle, they've got your back. And you don't have to settle for just as good anymore because they've solved that problem for you. You no longer have to buy a rifle and then buy parts to swap out. Now, when you purchase your rifles from pmarmory.com, they come out of the box with high-quality barrels, superior triggers, and other options that you can choose. When you think about Pickett's Mill Armory, think of small-batch coffee. They're not going to compromise their standards to turn out thousands of rifles every month like a lot of other companies. So head over to pmarmory.com to find the tools you need to defend your family right now. That's pmarmory.com. Now, speaking of defense, I think there are a few advocates that are better defenders of our right to keep bare arms than the women of the D.C. Project. They, And again, as you'll hear in our conversation with Dinah Muller, they are everywhere, not only around the country in terms of popping up at state capitals, but they're they're not just testifying. They're now making laws as well. Uh, this is really a great organization doing great things for our Second Amendment rights. And again, really pleased that Dana Muller could uh, join us on the program to talk about uh, some recent victories as well as what's coming up for the D.C. Project, including this weekend in Indianapolis, Indiana, where the uh, NRA's annual meetings will be taking place. Take a look and a listen. Diana, it's so good to see you. Thanks so much for coming on the program today. Thanks for having me, Cam. Absolutely. Uh, and I know that you are getting ready to head out to Indianapolis. Unfortunately, uh, I will not be in attendance at uh, NRA's annual meetings this year. But uh, I know that the D.C. project is going to be well represented. And I had such a blast last year hanging out with you all. Uh, so I, I'm sad uh, that I'm not going to be able to uh, spend time with with you and all of the other D.C. project members. But I got to say, Diana, y'all are really punching above your weight these days. I mean, it seems like DC Project is everywhere. You were there uh, when Governor Ron DeSantis signed uh, permitless carry into law. We were just talking uh, at Marion Arms yesterday about a, uh, a bill in Missouri to repeal the gun-free zone on public transportation. And sure enough, there's a DC Project member, the Missouri State Lead, quoted, uh, you know, talking about the need to get rid of some of these gun-free zones. So first of all, congratulations, because DCP really is, it seems like it's growing by leaps and bounds, and it seems like y'all are doing amazing things. Well, I appreciate hearing that, because uh, it is a thankless job, and we are definitely volunteers. So um, I would like to continue to grow, and I would like to continue to, um, you know, I can't lean on volunteers like I can lean on staff. So I would love to to continue to fundraise and continue to have people support us, but but recognizing that people recognize what we're doing and that we're out there because we are. And, and there are so many fires out there that's going on over the past month. It has been insane. And I honestly can't keep up with it, but it does warm my heart when I'm like, I don't even know what Missouri's doing. And then I see her on social media <laughs> like, oh. 
it's working you know people right. are getting engaged and people are representing up and being heard and being seen and and one of the things that I'll touch uh, base on real quick is that optic that uh, Governor DeSantis did. So uh, it was a great success. Um, there have been organizations, all of the organizations have pitched in to make this milestone happen. But when I step back and I look at that picture, I'm like, this is bigger than just the success there because the governor's office understood the optics that the other side has been playing for a very long time. Whenever there's an anti-2A bill that comes across, there's a governor that's signing it, and they have that room packed full of women. They have it packed full of diversity. And when it's unfortunate, when it seems like there's some pro-2A legislation, it seems like it's all white guys in suits and ties or police officers. And I hate to say it, I love them, but they're the most, you know, from the other side, the anti side, they're, they're a very hated groups. And so I'm trying to get across to these governor's offices, to all this, the representatives that are pro 2A, that we are here to, to give shade in the, or the armor in the attacks on the second amendment. You don't have to be bullied by mom's demand anymore. You don't have to, uh, cower to thinking that you have to sacrifice our constitutional rights in order to either save your job or do what you think is right. Uh, we're here to to strengthen those people and their resolve for standing up for our constitutional rights. Well, and again, I mean, I, I think that it's making a difference. Um, I, you know, I, I want to ask because again, the 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 gun control crowd with the the moms in the red shirts. Um, you're right. The, the, you know, it, it is about the optics, um, but it's also I, I think the intent is to lend some sort of moral weight to these gun control bills. Right. See, look, these moms who love their kids. Well, they want these common sense gun control laws. Well, here's the D.C. project. And you've got moms, you've got daughters, you've got people who love their kids just as much as any moms demand action volunteer. Right. And yeah, they don't believe that we can ban our way to safety. They don't believe that by criminalizing their right to keep and bear arms, we're going to make anybody, including their own kids, any safer. So I appreciate the perspective that that you all are able to bring to this debate because you do serve, I think, as a valuable counter to um, to what groups like Moms Demand Action are, are are trying to do. And it's great that your viewpoints are out there because, you know, the women in the D.C. project, you all come from such varied backgrounds. I mean, you you know, you you talk about law enforcement, you've got your own background in law enforcement. But, I, you know, whether it's uh, Kathleen Gilligan and her work with suicide prevention or Rebecca Schmoey now serving in the Kansas State Legislature. I mean, you all, like I said, you all are punching above your weight and you're doing some incredible things. And there are incredible individuals who are a part of the D.C. project that I do think should get um, some attention. And they, and I'm glad that they're a part of this debate. Well, I'm glad that you pay attention to that and that you do give them the attention because uh, it's well-deserved and I'm proud to stand with these women. I am proud of the DC project and uh, what we've been able to accomplish on such a shoestring budget. <laughs> <laughs> it really is incredible. Um, all right. So Thursday uh, in Indianapolis, um, you guys have, or excuse me, you ladies have something really big planned, right? Well, actually the big thing is, is planned for Friday. Friday, uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Friday opening day of NRA annual meetings. We have a March to the state Capitol. Um, I started looking at this and we were going to, at first, we're going to have a press conference at 4 PM inside the state Capitol. 
And in light of what's going on uh, across the country, but most recently was in Tennessee um, a couple of weeks ago after the, the killing there was there was a lot of people marching to the state capitals with a lot of gun control signs, a lot of moms, a lot of women. And I thought, you know what, this is an opportunity. It's two blocks away from the convention. It's an opportunity for us to be seen and be heard and give the, the not only Indianapolis, but give the world a different narrative uh, to, to, the, to the solutions. Because right now, all they hear they are inundated with messages that the solution is gun control. The solution is gun control. And if we don't say uh, what our solutions are, uh, then and it's really difficult because we get squelched. They don't want the world to hear our messages. So we're just trying to do something a little different and uh, have our own march, have our own visible, our own optics game and uh, tell a different narrative to what uh, what we believe our solutions are and the steps that we have taken. You know, and, and this is another thing that I like about the DC project is you do talk about solutions. You know, there's, there's no reason why as gun owners, we should have to, uh, we should have to come up with these strategies that are more effective at reducing violent crime or preventing suicide or things of that nature. Right. We, we should as second amendment advocates just be able to say, well, listen, you're not going to infringe on our rights here. You're not going to try to fix these problems by creating others. But that's not how the world works. Right. And and you and I both know that it's not enough to just simply stand up and say, listen, shall not be infringed. Right. Um, we need to give if nothing else, we need to give those political uh, those politicians, uh, you know, areas that they can, uh, you know, legislate in um, that don't involve an impact in our right to keep and bear arms. And I mentioned Kathleen Gilligan. And this is, I think, one of those areas where you talk about suicide prevention. And here's a D.C. project member who is, you know, on the front lines of this. Saving lives. Nobody could say that she doesn't care. She doesn't give a damn that she cares more about her guns than people. Uh, you know, just got a million dollar grant from the VA to try to save veterans lives. So because what are some tragedy, of the because tragedy struck her family? Exactly. Uh, a son to suicide. And so suicide is very close to her. But she understands that gun control is not the answer uh, to to preventing people from committing suicide. Uh, but I'm very proud of her for uh, putting in the effort, winning a grant for a million dollars from the VA. It's called the Sentinel. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that helps. Absolutely. So what are some of the, I mean, when, when, when a mom's a man action volunteer says, you know what, we got to ban these guns. Nothing's going to change till we ban these guns or uh, the new Republic actually had a, a story this week. The war on guns is lost, which I don't disagree with, but I got to tell you, Diana, this was such a, depressing read because basically the author says that we're not going to be able to do anything substantial on gun control. And that means violent crime is just going to get worse. We're going to have more mass shootings. Things are just going to get worse. And I don't believe that to be the case. I think that there are things that we can do to prevent well, violent I, crime in general want, and to reduce these types of uh, active shooter incidents. If, if the administrations at the, you know, whether it be city, county, state, or federally, if they really want to solve it, they, it's, it's very solvable. Um, but I don't think that they want solve. I think that the this is a spiritual battle now, and this is uh, the devil is having his heyday, and he's creating havoc. He's creating chaos. And I do believe that um, those people who want to disarm America are are using that chaos. So they don't want it to stop. They don't want to save your children. They want your children to die so they can call for more gun control and they can have more control because we know it's not about safety. And so I don't think that they want to uh, to solve this problem. But if those people that can hear with, you know, that can open their eyes and that they can hear with their ears 
um, there is a way that you have to, well, first of all, we have to take back the reins from whether it be local government, uh, state government, or federal government. You have to have constitutionally sound people. That's why I'm so proud of Rebecca Schmoey uh, for stepping up into that void and saying, I'm going to run for office. You have to have those people in charge in order to um, start affecting policy that is going to change uh, because we have to hold criminals accountable. Uh, these these liberal policies that are making it easier for people to be criminals and um, and then criminalizing the people who are the good people. Um, it's really it's really I can't believe that we're watching it happen and it's happening so fast uh, in cities and cities across the country. But so it's why it's important for our audience to step up, to educate themselves on why we oppose universal background checks, why we oppose red flag laws, why we oppose safe storage. If you don't know those things, there's a one page document on our dcproject.info on our landing page, and you can download that and you can have it as a reference or you can study it. And you need to know, because when those topics come up and somebody who thinks that they're in a moral superiority position anyway, um, they try to have that conversation with you. And if you can't be effective, then you haven't done anybody any good. Uh, and you can't go straight to my cold dead hands um, or thou shalt not infringe stuff because it's just cold. Uh, they are speaking from emotional um, perspectives and you can't you can't speak. You have to have some empathy first facts and solutions. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, you know, we have a segment on this program every day called the recidivist report where we take a look at, you know, these soft on crime sentences that uh, individuals are receiving, you know, and, and for violent crimes. Um, and that is, you know, listen, that's not the exception. That's the rule. And I think you're absolutely right. When we want to talk about fixing things, let's Let's start with the existing criminal justice system. Let's talk about the mental health system, the crumbling mental health system that many states have in place, um, the lack of resources. You know, this is, again, have, going back to. Yeah, go ahead. It has to be you have to put in the right people who are not, you know, you can't keep voting for the same people and with the same policies, getting the same results and expect it to be anything different. I mean, California blows my mind. Um, unless their elections are just completely rigged from the beginning, which I'm not ruling out. Um, I don't know how there's that many people that will allow San Francisco to be such a crap hole. I, I I just thought that it was a nice enough place with nice enough people that they would say, you know, this, okay, we're going to try it. We're going to try the homeless and giving them drugs. And, and, but at some point, don't you think that this isn't working uh, and, and you want to try a new direction? So that's, who, that's what I'm speaking to on, on taking back the reins. Yeah. So, so what are some of the things that, uh, that, that you, what are some of the goals you have for DC project this year? Well, we have our big trip planned for October. Uh, that's where every state director goes to Washington, DC. And uh, we do a lobby day. We don't, we don't call it L the L word. A lot of people call it lobby days, but we're advocates, um, truly grassroots advocates. We are all volunteers. And uh, I like to, remind everybody that, you know, Moms Demand thinks that they're a grassroots group and they may have started that way, but they are totally AstroTurf now. They are a Bloomberg funded group up to $60 million a couple years ago. And I, it, that's tough to compete with, but that means that they know what they're doing and that they have um, professionals and marketing and things like that. So I just watch them and and try to do what they do <laughs> <laughs> on a shoestring budget. So uh, other things, you know, I want to, uh, we are definitely much more into the States now. 
we want to not only go to Washington, D.C., but we want to stay within our home states and uh, do a similar effort, you know, go to the state capitals and have uh, knock on doors and have relationships, let people know who we are and why we support the Second Amendment. So if uh, it's free to join the D.C. project, you get dumped in basically to your state organization or your state module. And uh, the ask is very minimal. Like, like right now, Colorado has, you know, we've had a lot of asks in Colorado, you know, hey, girls, if anybody's available, go to a hearing and testify um, on such and such. So th places that are on fire, yeah, the requests are going to be a little bit more. But if you're from a state that, you know, is kind of uh, a second, a true Second Amendment supporter and they're not attacking it, then you're not going to have a whole lot to do besides Put this shirt on and go to festivals, go to hearings, just be seen um, as a gun owner. I love this shirt because it has a message uh, and I don't have to have a conversation with you. If you are if you are scared of guns, if you think AR-15s are the devil, you have to see my face and you have to read my face and look and say that I, you know, I obviously don't think the same way you do. And I want to give them pause. I want to make sure that if they they know that I do support the Second Amendment and I do support AR-15s, and if they have any questions, they can come to me. But if I simply put on a teal scarf or you know that that says nothing, it it, it I don't it, it completely negates a, a large majority of the messaging and the impact I can make as I'm walking through an airport or as I'm walking through. I think Robin Sandoval says I wear this to school. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, that's what we want to do is that we want to create, um, a different experience with a gun owner for friends, families, communities, and legislators. Well, again, you're doing incredible work, uh, and I'm glad that, that it's going to continue. Um, what's the website for the DC project if folks want to join? dcproject.info. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook. And um, I also wanted to mention there's a docu-series going on. It started last night and it's um, we've got it posted around. You can you can basically sign up for a link. They're sending out a link for nine consecutive nights. Last night was the first night and it's all about gun, free firearms and freedom is what it's called. And it's arming us with talking points for the Second Amendment. So it's great for our community. Uh, there's going to be a lot of DC Project ladies in it. There's going to be a lot of high profile uh, people from the Second Amendment space in the firearms industry. Uh, last night, Tim Kennedy was featured uh, heavily, and I know J.P. Sears is featured. Just Dr. John Lott is in it. And last night, I saw at least eight eight ladies' faces that I know from the D.C. Project. So talking about women and uh, wanting to protect ourselves and why we support the Second Amendment. So if anybody's interested in that, they can go to our Instagram and, and our, our Facebook pages and at, click the link there. And they can, I think that last night is still available for 12 more hours. They, get, they run for 24 hours um, for free, and then you'll be able to purchase it down the road. But if you want to see it for free, uh, you're going to need to jump in and jump in for the next eight days. All right. Well, listen, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you all are getting press all over the place. It is well-deserved. Um, say hi to everybody. I, I am going to miss you all uh, this weekend, but uh, I look forward to reconnecting with you again. Well, you'll find somebody else to walk around with the intake pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Diana, well, thank you for everything you do. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And I look forward to picking up the conversation again very soon. 
All right. I'll talk to you soon and have a good weekend. Thanks. You too. Thanks again to Diana for joining us on the program. And I am looking forward to having her back again very soon. Uh, DCproject.info. Again, that's the uh, name of the DC Project's website. All right. Let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. And just like we were talking about with Diana, here you go. Another soft on crime sentence, this time from Bedford, Pennsylvania, where a Bedford man has received a modest jail sentence and uh, a lengthy probation sentence after shooting into an occupied car. The headline here doesn't really capture what happened. Not only were there individuals in this vehicle at the time that these shots were fired, but one of the bullets actually passed through one of the, uh, the, the victim's coats, did not strike the victim. But as the judge in this case said, it really was just a, a matter of inches. And yet, despite the judge's uh, you know, recognition of the serious nature of this offense, 31-year-old Stephen Gregory Geisler was sentenced to uh, one year minus one day in the county jail, uh, which, by the way, makes him eligible for good behavior. So probably going to serve about six months and eight years probation after entering uh, a guilty plea of uh, guilty but mentally ill to three charges in two separate cases related to this incident last March. One count of aggravated assault with intent to cause bodily injury with a deadly weapon. One count of simple assault. One count of driving under the influence. Um, Police believe that uh, Geisler was under the influence of um, some intoxicating substance, perhaps methamphetamine, uh, when he believed that people were out to get him, basically. Uh, And he's behind the wheel of his car, pulls up behind another car, fires two shots into that vehicle as it was getting ready to turn. And again, narrowly missed one of the people inside. The judge who sentenced Geisler, Judge Travis Livingood, um, said it is an absolute miracle we're not dealing with a homicide. We're talking about inches. And he warned that if Geisler doesn't get a handle on his problems, he'll spend his life in prison. He said, you're not going to get paroled today. I'm going to put pretty serious conditions. Uh, Those include inpatient treatment and a zero tolerance for controlled substances. He says, the first time you test positive, you're getting put back in jail, especially if it's methamphetamine. If you start using again, that tells me you're not ready to be back in society again, which is great. Uh, But how many times have we heard this? You know, it's one thing to hear a judge say, there will be consequences the next time, sir. But we've seen stories where the individual gets hauled back in court and it's, don't let this happen a third time or a fourth or a fifth. I'm glad to hear that the judge at least conditioned um, Mr. Geisler's uh, uh, release on probation uh, with treatment. Uh, If he does have a drug problem, then that needs to be addressed. Um, and if the judge says that, well, jail's not the right place for him to be, I, that, <clears throat> are there no treatment options available behind bars? I, you know, again, I, at the end of the day, uh, I do hope that Mr. Geiser gets help for his treatment. But that does not absolve him of the acts that were committed here. And I got to tell you, what will amount to a slap on the wrist in the hopes that Mr. Geisler turns his life around. This doesn't seem like justice to me. Now, today's Armed citizen story, Overland Park, Kansas, where a burglary suspect was shot at an Airbnb property on Tuesday, apparently by the uh, tenant who was uh, notified, I, I guess they had one of the video doorbells, and so he could see this guy trying to come in 
to the house. He wasn't at the home at the time, but apparently it was just a short distance away. So he raced back to the home, uh, confronted the burglar, who police say was also armed. Shots were fired. The uh, would-be burglar apparently uh, hit in the foot, taken to a local hospital for treatment. He is expected to recover. Uh, police are investigating, but uh, based on these circumstances, this does appear to be a case of self-defense. We'll keep our eyes open for any more details as they become available. And finally today, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a uh, alert bystander in Horry County, South Carolina, uh, who, along with medical crews, helped save a man who suffered cardiac arrest while he was paying for gas. You can see the uh, happy aftermath here. Um, Thomas Jordan was paying for gas at a convenience store uh, February 13th, day before Valentine's Day, in uh, Little River, South Carolina. When he collapsed inside the store, uh, Andre Stevenson works there at the store. He saw what happened, um, and he immediately jumped over the counter, got to Jordan, and called 911 as he's getting to the guy. Um, officials say that Stevenson followed instructions from 911 operators and started chest compressions before first responders got to the scene. Uh, he was quickly taken to the hospital after those uh, emergency crews arrived. And uh, according to the um, local authorities, quote, though the chances of regaining a pulse in this situation are low, Stevenson and the responding Horry County Fire and Rescue crews worked to bring Jordan back to life. That is incredible. Uh, and uh, not long ago, Stevenson, as well as those crews, uh, received the Phoenix Life Saving Award. And uh, Stevenson actually had the chance again to, uh, to meet Mr. Jordan. And his wife, Mr. Jordan, uh, obviously doing a lot better. Uh, again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Andre Stevenson, saving a life on the job at a convenience store. And we thank you for your very, very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Barry and Arms, Cam and Company. But I would encourage you to check out the website. We've got a lot of stuff going on today. There's a, a huge court hearing in Illinois over the state's ban on so-called assault weapons and large-capacity magazines. We've got uh, other legislative news items as well. Some good, including progress for constitutional carry in South Carolina. Some bad, like uh, gun control uh, getting to Governor Polis' desk in Colorado. But we've got you covered the good, the bad, and the ugly at TheBarryAndArms.com. And if you like what you see, at least in terms of our reporting, I would always encourage you to become a VIP member as well. Just go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content. News stories and analysis you won't get anywhere else, because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your home day Wednesday. Looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. Until then, be well. Be safe and be free.